0: all of our campuses. I want to welcome those in Baton Rouge joining us, Gulf Coast, Metairie, and all those at Little Creek. Come on. How many are all excited to be in God's house? Yes. Hey, I do want to say this. Church of the King never closed. Had somebody say, Pastor, this week they texted me, I'm so excited church is opening. I said, church never closed. Now, our physical locations did. But I want to say a couple thank yous in just a moment. But our online, we, even this weekend, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, that are with us online. And uh, we we've, we've have right now currently 7,000 people in Zoom small groups. Come on, Zoom. I, I, by the way, how many of y'all are ready to attend a Zoom recovery group? Come on, anybody? My gosh, but I am so grateful. I want to say a couple thank yous uh, right now. First of all, I want to thank Simon Anderson and the whole online department for making church happen online for us. Can we just give it up for them? Man, they've done a great job running all of our Facebook Live, all that stuff, and so we're so, so grateful. I also want to say thank you uh, to our production team, and they're all down all over the place. Grateful for the production team, our worship team. Sean Snyder helping out on the TV side. We'll talk about that in just a moment. By, by the way, let me let me explain something to you guys. Uh, so, for the first four weeks of us being in quarantine, all the messages that you saw, I actually shot in four days. And let me tell you why. Uh, right after we had our last service, I think on March 14th, um, we of course we got word that week that all you know the churches won't be able to meet, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were unaware at that time, uh, that church uh, production teams were going to be deemed as essential by the governor's edict. I don't know if you know that or not. It's actually in that executive order. And so we were like, my gosh, we got to do all these, you know, what's going to happen? We won't have anything online. And so uh, the first, so the Thursday... I did four messages in four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I actually shot Easter on a Sunday night at about 11 o'clock here. How many thought I still looked strong? Come on. I mean, it was 11 o'clock. Thank you for clapping. But anyway, uh, but now and then the next day we find out from the governor, oh, yes, church production teams are deemed essential. They can go to work and do all that. Of course, I couldn't talk for three weeks. but uh, But anyway, so I want to one more time, we are so grateful for the production team, the worship team, all of our media team. Let's give it up for them. Come on, please. You guys are amazing. Thank you. I also want to say one more big thank you to all of our Serve Outreach team. We're so grateful for Bethany Connor, Coach Barry Dotson, and Allie Pritchett over at South Shore Campus. Uh, we, you, you guys that have all been involved with serving. I mean, again, that's why I say Church of the King never, cl- never shut down. Our physical locations didn't have weekend services. It's the first weekend we were were open at our campuses for physical location services on the weekend. But one of the things that we've done, and and you guys have been a part of it, is we have served more people, given away more food, done more things, and we are so grateful. Last weekend at Baton Rouge, I want you to think about the magnitude at 6,400 people for 30 days, 110,000 tons. Is that right? 110,000 pounds of food, uh, and all of that is because of you guys, your generosity, and our serve team. Can we give all of our serve coordinators, come on, one hand cap. Thank you for them as well. So, so, so grateful. So, um, I want to let everybody know, I did come into the 21st century. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I I, I got on social media. By the way, I want to say this. Uh, I'm in a series called Reset. I'm not going to be doing that message today. Uh, I'm going to just share from my heart. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, I will be doing next week reset. I've preached now since February 22nd. Every weekend, I'll preach, I think, every weekend this summer. Maybe Labor Day, I may have a guest. And so I just feel like it's important every weekend for me to be. Uh, but this weekend, and we, we've got a new series coming after reset. Tough questions, by the way. Four. Big questions that people have. I mean, I'm going to go for it with some of these topics. That's July. Um, August, I think I'm doing comeback stories. Yeah. Different people in the Bible like Samson. What happened to him? How did he come back? And so, uh, and then we have, uh, then I'm going to be teaching, pray for me in the fall, uh, the book of Daniel. I did it six years ago. One of the most requested series that I've ever done. Uh, And I just think it's important to do that as well for all the new people in our (laughs) church. Anyway. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, I, all the young people on our staff, like Simons like, Pastor, you know, you need to get on, like, Instagram, Facebook. I've only had this little thing called Twitter. I've never been on social media. I'm 51. I've never done it. All my friends, all my pastor friends, and, and I just, there's lots of reasons why. I just didn't do it. However, I was, Church of the King was five years old when Hurricane Katrina started, and when Hurricane Katrina started, I thought, you know, if a church is not reaching out to people, helping people cut limbs off their house, they're irrelevant. All right, right after Hurricane Katrina. Well, let me just tell you this. If pastors are not on social media during COVID when nobody's coming to church, I mean, you're irrelevant because people need to hear what you're saying and you're not talking. So I got on Facebook and I got on Instagram and uh, and and I'm really enjoying it. and um, And so... Mary Braddock, who works for me, she works at our church, and she said this week, and she was, Pastor, I'm so excited. I said, why? She goes, you're on Facebook. It's been so wonderful. And I said, I bet you like those nice little sermon nuggets I've been putting out there, huh? She goes, oh, when your family for Easter, and y'all did the Easter egg hunt in the the house, and you just did a thing. It was so exciting. And I said, that's great. I said, what about that big powerful word I put on there last week? She goes, oh, and last week that was so funny. You had these orange shorts on and your T-shirt in your backyard. I said, Mary, what about that big powerful word two weeks ago? And she goes, oh, and your son, he's gonna go play college football. We're so excited. I said, is there any spiritual download you've been getting from this? She goes, we really don't care about that. We just like you and your family. So I'm gonna try to balance it out a little bit. I'm trying to do a little bit of content, and so anyway, um, it's it's Facebook. It's it's also the the Instagram thing, and I'm learning. By the way, I'm learning. Okay, I'm 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 learning. So I'm I'm remember, I'm a novice. I've just been at this for nine weeks. Uh, I do want to say as well, I want to answer some of the questions people have had about, you know, Pastor Steve, what is that whole Unite 714? How many of y'all have ever heard that term Unite 714? If you raise your hand, okay, let me explain what that is. This is kind of like just a homecoming day. We're talking about church stuff and my heart and different things. And so let me tell you how that happened. It was it was really interesting. So the last Saturday night, I think, was March. 14th, I think that was the last Saturday night service. So I get a text from Pastor Jim LaFoon. Pastor Jim LaFoon is a pastor to me, and he sends me this text with this prophetic word, whatever you want to call it, a a burden from the Lord, and it was 10 minutes long. And he says, Steve, I really feel this burden from God that if the church will unite and pray, that I believe that we can be a part, obviously appreciate medical science, all the different things, but we believe that, that if we'll cry out to God, as the, if the church of Jesus Christ will unite globally, we can pray and cry. By the way, COVID-19 was a global thing. It wasn't just a regional thing. It was a global thing. So if the ch- the global church can unite and pray and cry out to God, I believe that we can help to mitigate the impact of that God's intervention. So I said, okay. I said, Pastor woo, that's pretty big. You know, like, well, so what, do you, so what do you want me to do? And so he said, just pray about how you think that we could maybe do something like that. So... The next day I talked to Pastor Doug and Randy, and then I called Pastor Chris Hodges and Dino Rizzo, dear friends of mine. And so we had a phone call on uh, March 18th with 25 real powerful body of Christ leaders. It was supernatural. The whole thing was supernatural, how it happened. And at the end, Unite 714 was birthed. Last weekend, how many of y'all saw the the global prayer event last weekend? I think it was 150,000 people. You can still go online on our Facebook or unite714.com. 150,000 people have seen that. But millions around the world. It was on every network and all TBN, Daystar, Hillsong Network, all over the world. The largest Arabic speaking network in the world. It was in 11 languages. It was in Arabic. It was just incredible. And so God allowed you guys. This is your church. All right, we're all part of this. God allowed us to be a part of leading uh, one of the largest prayer movements, really in in the globe. I cannot tell you how many people, millions of millions, documented millions of Christians were praying twice a day at 7:14 a.m. and p.m. How many of y'all saw the prayers? Would you raise your hand where the prayers? Okay, the prayers were written by Pastor Jim LaFoon and then I edited those along with John Scott, who works with us. And so it is just it brought great joy to my heart. Uh, to be a part of that. So where is it going from here? So from here, uh, we're going to still put out prayers, uh, and and we're not trying to make anything happen. If, if the Lord wants to do something with it, He can, but we feel like we gathered together specifically. We felt like Passover to Pentecost was a real strategic moment, and um, and so we're grateful for what the Lord has done. We know there's still a spiritual awakening coming, but we do believe that God is answering our prayers in our nation, uh, and 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 we know we, we, we just we believe God used that in a tremendous way, and you guys were part of that. So, uh, again, you can avail yourself to those prayers. Let me tell you another thing. Uh, so on Monday nights, um, so this is going to be my big test here. All right, how many of y'all saw on Monday nights, either on my Instagram or Facebook, when I was I taught and then I led at seven fourteen in prayer? Would you raise your hand? Three people. That's exciting. Y'all are really into pastors teaching. You want to put on my orange shorts again? Would that help everybody get excited? I mean, just, geez, some Pete. I mean, it's like, so I did have some spiritual stuff I was doing, you know, on Monday nights. Um, but this weekend, this weekend, uh, or excuse me, last Monday, I, I had the opportunity on Unite 714, I was leading people in prayer to, uh, to lead us, and I think there's been about 16,000 people that have looked at it. And I I took it as an opportunity for me as a pastor to address what's going on in our nation. Uh, Again, I want to encourage you to go back, uh, if you didn't have the opportunity, on Facebook or Instagram to be able to see it. Uh, And and there's really four central points uh, that I talked about uh, in that post. And I want to retouch these points because I think they're important. Um, and, and, and I think for our church, as Christians, for our nation, I am praying. I, I hope you're praying for our nation right now. Uh, I believe that God is wanting to bring healing in our nation. But I want but to give you the four points that I talked about. So if you want to write these down, you're welcome to do so. This is off the cuff. Um, I had a message planned. I'll get back into my series next week. But I just felt it was appropriate for me to be able to address this here. Number one, uh, my heart... Uh, as I watched, and I talked about this last Monday, but my heart as I watched uh, the death, the murder of George Floyd, my, my heart was broken. I'm talking about at levels that had not been broken before. I mean, I just started weeping and crying. And I thought to myself, when I, when I watched that, the senseless, baseless, evil, by the way, evil act. That was an evil act. Um, the, the guy can't breathe he's crying out for his mom. and, and when I saw that it, it did something in me that it really gripped my heart. Um, not to mention two weeks before that I Maud Aubrey and who was literally hunted down. I mean I mean let's just say it for what it is. You can, you can say all the back the back the bottom lines that's what took place. And as a pastor and as a Christian, you know, my heart, you know, with these, these two things, particularly the George Floyd just last week. And I, I thought, wait a minute. I just started praying, um, crying out to God. But God also started moving my heart in ways. And I, and I want to say, number one, uh, I hope that broke your heart if you saw it. Now, now I do want to say, I know some people say, well, I just don't want to see that. That's fine. That's your prerogative. But if you did see that video... And your heart wasn't moved by that. I I don't know what to say. Any human being who has a conscience, that that had to deeply bother you and break your heart. Number one, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for his family. I had the opportunity Friday uh, to see some of the memorial service. And um, uh, what a a moment there. I'm going to ask all of you in our church to continue to pray for his family. We want to lift them up. Uh, During this time. Which brought me to number two. Um, I I, on Monday said this. And I think it's important for for me to vocalize this again. um, That we are. That I am as a person. I am as a pastor. We are as a church. Standing with our African American brothers and sisters right now. And let me tell you what that means. In their fear. In their concerns. In their pain. In their hurt. I had one of the best conversations of my life on Thursday night. Let, let me tell you about it. Pastor Chris Callahan, who's, uh, I think he's on Facebook right now, kind of pastoring people on Facebook, but um, he he arranged, I said, Chris, I, I really want to have a conversation. You choose whoever, uh, a, a group of African-American people in our church. I have the privilege of pastoring. Just remember this, Mandeville's a campus, Baton Rouge is a campus, Biloxi's a campus, Metairie is a campus. We have people all over Baton Rouge to Biloxi. There's people all, and I have the privilege of pastoring people from different backgrounds. So just, just remember that I, different perspectives, different backgrounds, dif- different ethnicities, I mean, cultural backgrounds. And it's been one of the joys of my life. And by the way, we have worked very hard intentionally making this a safe place for people from different backgrounds. And when Chris, I, and so on Zoom, I asked Pastor Rainey to attend with me. And, and so I didn't really know everybody that was going to be on there. And it was just amazing. I knew most of the people. And um, I had such an amazing conversation. And, 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 and here's what I think is important for all of the Caucasian men and women that are in our church. I'm speaking on behalf of our church, me as a Christian, me as a pastor, and us as a church. I think this is a time to talk to, to listen more than talking. To ask questions. When I heard Mr. Jerry Bonds, who's almost 70 years old, and talk about the last 50 years, I'm just telling you, it, it, it was so profound, his perspective. Now, we had Russell Holloway, who's one of our young pastors on staff, who's 22, up to 70. So we had a 50-year uh, gap there. But, and everybody in between, male, female, Single people, married people. I want to say this to all my white brothers and sisters right now. This is a time and this is a moment for us to listen to our African-American brothers and sisters. This is a time. It's a time for us to, 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 to reach out. Population-wise, uh, Caucasian people are still the majority. And you look in the Bible, the majority is always commanded by God to, lift, to reach out and to lift up the minority in any context. And that's important. It's important as Christians. It's important that we understand that. It's important for us to listen. I want to say a couple things as well about number two. So I want you to know that. I want every one of our African-American people in our church to know that. In this church and outside the church, whatever campus that you're at, you need to know where my heart is. My family, our church, we're standing with you. We're listening. Number two. Attached to that, I do want to qualify standing with my African-American brothers and sisters, and this is important because we had two, we had a state trooper and we had a New Orleans policeman uh, that were on the phone, African-Americans. They said, Pastor, we think this is important for you to say as well. Standing with African-American brothers and sisters does not mean that we're standing against the police. Now, this is important what I'm about to say. That man that did that act, which was evil, that was a bad apple. It's very, I'm, I'm grateful for police reforms that are extracting bad apples, but let's be very careful to not say all apples are bad apples because of the action of an apple. Are you all with me? And, and this is so important. And this came from my African-American brothers that were on the phone the other night. For example, at the Little Creek campus, we're, every one of our campuses, we have amazing men and women that work in the law enforcement that serve us. If we didn't, you wouldn't be able to. When everybody comes back to church in Mandeville, you wouldn't be able to get out of the building. You may lose your salvation on Highway 59 if we didn't have the police. Now, I don't know if you can lose it, but you probably would lose it, okay? <laughs> so, so I think that's important. Dallin Pezos and, and uh, Kenny, Kenny Day who's a great state trooper? He said, Pastor, I think it's important for people to know that. So I want want, want everybody to understand, standing with doesn't mean standing against them. Now, let me say this. I am grateful that bad apples are being extracted out of law enforcement positions that abuse power. That was an abuse of power. Are y'all with me? And by the way, preachers abuse power. All, all, all preachers aren't bad apples because you've got some preachers that have done bad things. Just remember, just be very careful with that. Extract the bad a- apples, do reforms, or, but but we got to be careful to not wholesale cate- categorize a whole group as being bad based upon the action of some. Is, can I have an amen right there? That's important. But I'm glad the bad apples are being extracted, and they need to be in every profession, specifically in that that I'm talking about. So so I, I want to say this. Number one, we are continuing to pray for George, George Floyd's family. Number two, we are standing with them. We are listening um, like never before. And I feel privileged to pastor all of the African-American people in our church. In a predominantly Caucasian church, just remember this. For all the white people, just remember, it costs them something to come to a church like this. Just remember that. And, and I know it's hard for you to relate to that. By the way, let me tell you what that happened to me a couple years ago. Remember talking about... Getting To try as much as we can to get into their shoes to the reality of still living in America. Four years ago, I got a phone call from a great man in our church. We're friends, and he's a tremendous business leader uh, in, in our community, an African-American man. And he was freaked out, literally crying. I went, I did not want to tell you his name. I said, man, what's, what's going on? What, what's going? He, goes, he goes, pastor, I got to talk to you. I said, tell me what's up. He said, my wife and I, I've just been so just overwhelmed today. This was right after the Alton Sterling incident where, uh, in, in Baton Rouge. If you all remember that, and some of the riots. And it was just, man, so much pain. And, and he said to me this. He said, Pastor, I'm so scared of my son driving back and forth to Baton Rouge. I don't know. Things are heightened right now and something may happen. If he, I, don't, I don't want to see him get an encounter. I thought to myself, Wow. As a white man, I've never even thought that thought. So I'm asking our white brothers and sisters, please right now, please let's do our part to be part of the solution and not the problem. Number one, we're praying for his family. Number two, we are standing with all of the African-American people and listening and doing what we can to be part of the solution. I want to say one more thing about that and then I'll go to three. Standing with my African-American brothers and sisters does not mean in any way... That were advocating riots. I appreciate, I appreciate protest. That's part of our constitutional right as Americans. And the peaceful protest in New Orleans has been fantastic, by the way, for the most part. But I but I my, my two to my two men in law enforcement, they we talked about this. I went through my talk with my African-American friends in the church. Some of you guys are in the room right now, I see some of you. But so I'm not advocating riots at all. I'm grateful for peaceable protests. That's part of our American rights. And so uh, I like what Dr. Martin Luther King. Here's what he said. This is so powerful. He says, "Hate doesn't drive out hate. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness. But what? Love drives out darkness." Number one, our hearts grieve for George Floyd, the death, and we're praying for his family. I'm asking you to do so. Number two, I'm asking all of my white brothers and sisters to please listen, start conversations with all of your African American friends, coworkers. This is a moment. Don't miss this moment. Number three, I'm asking all of us to search our hearts. The Bible says in Psalms 139, here's what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Oh God, search me. And, and so, Pastor, what, what are we asking God to search? Well, here's what I believe. Search my heart, God, if there's any prejudice, prejudgment in our hearts. And we all have it at different levels. Any bigotry. What is bigotry? It's when we look down upon somebody else because they're not who we are. They don't have what we have. They don't come from where we come from. Any prejudice, bigotry, any racism in our heart. Help us, oh God, to expose it so that, watch this, so that we can see people infinitely valuable, loved, cherished by God, honoring them, caring for them, respecting them, as fellow human beings. By, by the way, did you guys know Psalms 139 that talks about search my heart? The previous verses to that are so powerful, which I was actually going to talk about. if The TV program this weekend, I taught through this verse. Why, Pastor, why are you all doing TV? I'll tell you why. Coach Tom Mullins, Pastor Tom Mullins, who's a mentor to mine, said, Steve, you won't believe this, but the majority of your older people that won't come back to church until there's a vaccine, they will watch you on TV. They don't like the Internet. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know a whole bunch of older people that I cannot tell you the emails that I've got that people watching on TV because they're like, I don't do the Internet thing. I'm going to watch Pastor on TV on their big 60-inch. Ooh, look how big Pastor Steve is. <laughs> Honey, give me some more chips. Come on, are y'all with me or not? <laughs> I love that verse because I taught about it this weekend on that program, Psalms 139, where the psalmist says, "I am." watch this, he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know when we search our hearts, here's when we search our, oh God, search my heart so that anything in me gets out of me where I would in any way depreciate another human being and not see them as fearfully and wonderfully made. To not see them the way that you see them, oh God. Number one, I'm asking all of you as a church that we want to continue to pray for and lift up George Floyd, their family, their, their, their whole family, and of course our situation, our nation. I'm going to end with the nation here in a moment. Number two, I'm asking all of it. And, I, and listen to me. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. I know I'm pushing the white people right now, but I'm white and I can do this. Are are you with me? I'm pushing you as your pastor, all right? I'm asking you to push past your fears, to push past whatever paradigm and viewpoint that you have, and to have conversations and to listen right now, to listen to African-American people. That's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to do that. Now, I know, by the way, I'm going to get emails this week. And some will say I said too much. Some will say I said too little. And it'll be from all different backgrounds, but I say this respectfully. I made a decision 20 years ago when I started Church of the King. I'm gonna do my best. And uh, here's the only way as a leader to not get judged. You you ready? Here it is. Do nothing, say nothing, stand for nothing, try nothing, act on nothing, and just be nothing. And then you're gonna be judged for not doing anything. Are y'all with me? So I I realize there'll be some white people in our church, well, pastor, what? and they'll give all these, and there'll be some other people that felt like I didn't go far enough. I'm doing the best I can to try to bring healing and help and life to our church, and hopefully it spills out into our community. You with me? You know, Unite 714. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for me. Y'all, sit down. Um, You cannot imagine the weight that pastors have to carry in situations like this, and and in any. I'm just telling you, it's a lot. It's a lot. But that's what we signed up for. And um, you you know, unite seven fourteen was the scripture. Unite seven fourteen. Was based upon Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and this was decided three weeks, three months ago, and um, I I didn't know that. Was, and and and, and let, let me read it to you. Let, let me read it to you. We've got a couple of minutes. Here, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. It says and leave the scripture up, please, the whole time. This is God said. This is what the whole prayer movement. I wonder. <laughs> Let me, let me go on record. I don't believe that God caused COVID-19 had so many. No, of course not. God didn't put a virus on the earth. I believe it's part of the fallen world. But I do believe God can use something. Are you with me? I don't believe God caused anything with George Floyd. Of course not. But I think that God, in, 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 in pain and evil, he can even turn it around somehow. Uh, could it be that God, listen, could it be that God is using the, the pandemic to expose a deeper epidemic? Could it be? I'm just asking. Could it be? It's a rhetorical question. Because here's the verse that we have. If my people who are called by my name, God's, be well, Pastor, what's wrong with the culture? If the culture's got to just get everything straight. But the problem is God doesn't start with the culture. He starts with us. He doesn't start with those outside. He starts with us. He said, if my people who are called by my name, by the way, that was my message last week. When you become a Christian, you take on God's name, Christian. You become a new man, a new woman. Old things have passed. You're, you're born again. You take on God's name. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves. God's not waiting on the world, God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. If we will humble ourselves and have the conversations, And pray and seek God's face and cry out to God. And turn from our wicked ways. Turn from our wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll forgive their sin. And then I'll hear their land. Listen, healing of the land is not just eradicating COVID from our land. But it's eradicating racism and prejudice and bigotry. And anything that would stop what God wants to do in our lives. Okay, so number four, and I'll close. Guys, do you know what last weekend was? This is so profound biblically. It was Pentecost weekend. Pentecost weekend was last weekend. And Pentecost weekend, I wish I could have spoken Remember, I, I do that message before the weekend because it's, an, it's a message that was. So I, I wasn't live last weekend. Now, I'm live online right now. All the people online are watching. But. But So I wasn't able to address the Pentecost weekend related. Listen to me. That's what I'm about to say. What is Pentecost? There's major feasts. Please listen. I got five minutes and I'll close. There's major feasts because all this wraps together in Israel. Okay. Passover was a major feast. What happens at major feasts? Jewish people, watch this, they come up to Jerusalem and they would celebrate. Some feasts would be a week long. Who was crucified on Passover? Do y'all remember? Jesus, the Passover lamb. Behold, John the Baptist. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now watch this. Fifty days after, of course, Jesus is crucified, resurrected on Sunday. Fifty days after Passover, there's another Jewish feast. It's called the Feast of Pentecost. It's a celebration of first fruits. Now watch this. Jewish people would come from all around the world. They would come really primarily around the Mediterranean, the, New, the, the Mediterranean Sea and the, and, the, and the Middle East. They would come, and some from northern Africa. They would come, and what were they doing? They were coming up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Can I tell you who it was? It was Jewish people, but they were from different backgrounds. So There were some Gentiles that had been converted to Judaism. So in other words, there was different people with different languages. Little did they know what was about to happen. Please don't miss this last point. Jesus is resurrected. He's on the earth for 40 days. He gathers his disciples on the Mount of Olives. I've been right on the Mount of Olives. Those of you that have been to Israel, right somewhere pretty close to the spot. And the last thing he tells them, Acts chapter one eight says, go wait. Go wait. He looks down the city. Go wait in the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to go and wait and pray. This is 10 days before Pentecost. And I want you to cry out because I'm sending my spirit. Now watch this. Number one, our hearts. What do we believe as a church? Our hearts, we're broken over that and we're praying for George Floyd. We're praying for the family of George Floyd. Excuse me, we're praying for his family. And, and we're praying just we're in that whole situation. Number two, we're standing with our African-American brothers and sisters listening right now. Number three, we're searching our hearts. But number four, we're believing for something. We're believing for something. Look at Acts chapter one, verse 14. Watch this. This is it. Jesus told him, go wait, go wait. Watch this. Don't miss this. Go wait. These all with one accord. Everyone say with one accord. Come on, say it louder all the campuses, one accord, all these, there's 120 that gathered in one accord. They were gathered in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They were crying out to God in Acts chapter one, verse 14. And guess what happened 10 days after that is Acts chapter two, where the Bible says, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, suddenly like a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire there was like fire on the top of people's heads and there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and all of those Jewish people with different languages lifted up their voice and everyone heard the same sound wait a minute pastor what are you saying when the church prayed watch this the culture experienced the power of God When the church was in one accord, when their hearts were clean, when their hearts were on fire for God, when their hearts were seeking and humbling and crying out, when God did it in the church, guess what? Then culture got to experience. Pastor, what are you believing for? I'm believing that as God heals us, God pours out His Spirit, we are standing on the brink of a great awakening in our nation. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm believing for. And sometimes pain, pain precedes the birthing of new things. All of you ladies know exactly what I'm talking about. There's great pain, and then there's birth. There's new life, and there's new hope. As a church, what do we believe? We are standing. We're standing for racial healing. We're standing for, for, for God to do something in our hearts. We're standing for our church, our communities, where our campuses are, for our nation. This is a moment to empathize with those that are hurting and those that are struggling, to cry out with one voice, Oh God, hear our cry. And as God hears our cry, God's power comes. God's spirit is poured. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to sing one last song and declare the blessing of God. This is a powerful blessing that we declare over one another. The fathers would declare it over their houses. And it's a song. And we we are believing for God's blessing on this church. God's blessing on our nation. God, heal, oh God. Heal the wounds, Lord God. Heal the pain, oh God. God, we're praying for only you can do it. Only you can change the human heart. Only you, oh God, can do that. We want to be part of the solution and not the problem, Lord. We want to stand, oh God, in faith that all things are possible, God. Spirit of God, pour pour out, pour out, pour out your spirit. Let's sing that, Ashley. Come on. The blessing of God. Let's declare that. We'll release you in just one moment. Oh, what a great message! You know, this reset series has really been impactful so far for me. And if this was your first time here, if you could just take a moment and text the words "new here" to 25827, we would just love to know you joined us today and say thanks so much for being here. And just send you some simple information about Church of the King. Also, if you're looking for ways to grow and get connected, take an hour and join us for Next Steps. You can join in this Sunday at 1 p.m. This is your first step for connecting and growing here at. Church of the King. And once again, thank you for your continuous generosity. Remember, you can give online through text, the Church of the King app, or by mail. Your giving really is making a difference. Have a great week, and we look forward to staying connected.